Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. It's Janine Toro here. We're an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing some really incredible things with their lives and careers. And we're here to share these stories with you, our listeners, to provide a source of inspiration. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to Kristen Baker. She's sales success, coach, speaker, teacher, passion chaser, music lover, beauty seeker, and information junkie. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Janine. <laughs> so you're you're aware of many hats, I see. Uh, yeah, multi, multi-passionate, as they call us. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell our listeners um, a little bit about what you're doing today? Sure. My primary work is in um, sales and money coaching with entrepreneurs. So I help them more effectively sell their products uh, and services to their to their customers and clients. So ultimately do less marketing and more converting prospects into customers. So how did you get started in this? So I, I like to say my journey began when I was 15 years old as a little, a little gay lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because it actually really did evolve from my own coming out journey. Really? Um, so when I was 15, I, I realized that I was gay and it was a big struggle, you know, um, as I sure, as I'm sure many of you know, it's like that, that pull between you know, I really want to fit in. I really want to blend in. I really don't want to face rejection. And, and I really want to, I also really want to show up and be seen for who I really am and connect with people based on who I actually am and be loved with, you know, with people based on who I really am. Yeah. And ultimately that's what sales is. You know, that's really, you face that exact same tug, especially when you're doing work that you really love you know, work that's really like who you are, you know, your gifts, your unique talents and passions. It took me a long time to decide I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was, uh, it was uncomfortable. I knew I didn't, I knew I wasn't really called to do the work that I was in. I was in commercial real estate for seven years. And that's where I really learned sales. I closed over a hundred million dollars in sales in commercial real estate, but it wasn't really my calling. Um, and so, you know, between really my love of personal development and, and my love of sales and my, and my, you know, bumping up against like, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm scared to be an entrepreneur. I, um, I created this business where, where I finally stepped into my calling and was like, no, this is what I want to do. And I can combine these passions and really serve and help other people do the work that they love. Cause at the end of the day, I'm just really passionate about helping people do the work they love and make money doing it. Absolutely. So you knew at a young age that you were gay. Mm-hmm. How did you know? Like, what made you aware? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's too personal, of course. No, yeah. no. I mean, you know, I just started having feelings for women, you know, and I didn't really know. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any gay role models or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Texas. I, mean, I grew up in Houston, so it's not like a, you know, a small town or anything, but there were no out. Well, there were a couple of out lesbians in, in my grade. But I just kind of noticed some feelings that I was having for classmates yeah. <laughs> who were not male. And um, <laughs> and I kind of was like, I don't know about this. Like, is this real? Is this not real? You know, I don't know. And uh, so I struggled with that for a long time between like, you know, is this really who I am? Is it not? It doesn't seem like who I am. But at the end of the day, it, it was. And I didn't come out. You know, I knew at 15, but I didn't come out to anyone until I was 19. And I didn't come out to, you know, most people until I was in, like, the later years of college. So 
In your career, though, you're openly out, correct? Yes. And have you found that, is it any, like, do you find that there's any, like, because I'm trying to figure out how to say, like, do you find that it, it, it works to a benefit for you? Or do you feel like, you know, have, have you been, like, discriminated against because of it? Or, like, have a, you know, has someone not wanted to work with you because of it? You know, not that I know of. Um, in fact, really, it seems the more that I share that story that I, sh- you know, that I shared with you, because I share that when I talk to groups of people, like when I talk to groups of people who are gay, straight or whatever, like just groups of people, I share that story because it really is. Everybody's had that experience. You know, everybody has the experience of feeling like they don't fit in and they don't belong. And, you know, if, if people knew this thing about me, then, you know, they would reject me. And so people really seem to connect with that versus like, I've never out. I would never know at this point if anybody had said, you know, didn't want to work with me because I'm gay. I only feel like it helps. And it's really amazing. i I went to this uh, leadership conference with my sorority. I was in a sorority in college and they wanted us to tell the story of authentic friendship. And I was like, I can't, I can't tell a watered down story. I have to tell the story of coming out to my, you know, one of my uh, sorority sisters and roommates. And that's really, you know, when I really showed up authentically and it was, I was scary. I was in, you know, I was in Tennessee and um, it was a group of sorority women of all ages and, Um, I had my preconceived, you know, my prejudgments about what that meant. And so I was concerned about sharing that story. I was really, really nervous. But I was like, I I have to in integrity share this. And when I did, like three or four people came up to me afterwards and they thanked me for sharing that. A couple people came out to me. A woman like a year later was like, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that was part of me having the courage to come out myself. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It's amazing. It was, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just, I felt so humbled by that. Like it was just incredible. So if anything, I think it's, I think it's helped. Which is incredible. I mean, I guess for me, it's interesting when I, I haven't, I didn't come out in my professional career until about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So every job that I had, I was just very sort of, you know, like I would never say he or she, I'd yeah. be like, Oh, I'm hanging out with them. Yeah. Like, and it's like, how do you not yeah. know? Because I'm being so ambiguous, you know, like it's yeah. so awkward. And then in the same way, it's like, a lot of people just have these assumptions, right? Like you go into situations where people are just like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? And I'm like, why? I mean, it's like 2016, right? Like, yeah. why do you just assume because I look a certain way and mm-hmm. act a certain way that that's my sexual preference, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it, it's interesting because like when I told people at work, it was like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, that, like, they extend a little too long, you know? And I'm like, they're like, oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. And I'm just like, okay, relax. You don't have to overcompensate. Like, you know, I feel like it just puts people sometimes in this, like, weird position. And they just don't know how to react. So they react, like, spastic. Um, <laughs> or, like, they don't believe. Or it's like, then, the other thing is, like, then they assume that you've only been with women. And I'm like, no. I mean, I mean things are more complicated than that, right? So right. I think that it's great that when you did come out or that you started realizing this at a certain age and when you felt comfortable to come out, that people gave you this positive response and you were like inspiring other people. Oh yeah. I mean, really like that's, that's my biggest thing. Anytime I have fear now, it's like, I'm doing it for 
somebody else. You know what I mean? I'm having courage, you know, even holding hands in the mall with my girlfriend. I'm like, you know what? If people are judging me, like I really try to keep my focus off that. And I keep my focus on like, who's the little, you know, the little, you know, LGBT kid out there or the parent that just found out that their kid was gay that sees us holding hands and they're like, okay, this is going to be okay. Exactly. And it's like, even if it's, you know, not the straw that breaks the camel's back, even if it's like one of many straws, you know, before they have the courage, it's like my courage just isn't for me, you know? And, and to me, it makes it way easier versus like focusing on like, oh my God, everybody in the mall is judging me, you know? Well, I mean, that's incredible because like it took me a long time to get to that place. And it's like, now I just feel like, you know what? Everyone wants to treat me like I'm an alien. So guess <laughs> what? Now it's going to be, you're going to feel weird. Like I'm going to make this feel so normal and seem so normal that like you have to just like, I don't know, not that they have to like, like take it or leave it basically. Like if you can't accept like, this is who I love and this is why I love them. Yeah. And I'm going to hold their hand in public or I'm going to kiss them in public, whatever it is. Guess what? If you can't accept that, or you're going to look at me like I'm an alien, I'm going to look at you like you're an alien. (laughs) And so far it's been working pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like when you take your focus, when your focus is on that, it is all you will see. And this is a huge part of the work that I do with people is whatever you're focused on, you will see it. And when you're not focused on it, you're going to see something else. So I think when we come out, we're so, when we're afraid to come out, we're so focused on like, oh my God, all the rejection I'm going to face. And oh my God, like who's going to judge me? And all that was, our focus is so one pointed that we miss. And I think this happens to people in our lives too, that we come out to is like, they're, they're so singularly focused on, you know, who's going to reject me that we miss, like, who, who am I going to connect with? Like, and that, exactly. when, in that sorority experience was like, that was so eye opening for me because if I had not come out, I would not have connected with any of those women in that way. Exactly. You know? So I think we miss that there's an opportunity to connect for, instead of like focusing so much on, on the rejection. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because for me, I always was like, you know, there's not that many women in design that are gay, even though there probably were, but I just didn't know. Like, I yeah, can't, exactly. They're not like advertising that they're gay and they shouldn't have to, you know? And yeah, but to me, when I started meeting more people like me, I'm like, oh my God, like I was so afraid professionally to come out yet. There are a million women like me probably in the same situation and we all could connect and like have a greater bond, like, yeah. and be like yeah. this support system for each other. So it's kind of funny how sometimes like the fear kind of gets in the way and you're so afraid of like this negative outcome that it may actually be a positive outcome, but you're so used to like, yes, having that negative reaction or like you hear about it or like, there's so much like, you know, even in the news, like you, you just hear all this stuff and it's just like, you, you almost like trap yourself in a corner, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's great that sort of, what you're doing and like your experiences or even my experiences like are pushing that forward, right? Like even this podcast and you, like we're spreading the message. We're trying to encourage people and like, just be who you are and don't care what anybody else thinks. Well, I also think it's funny that we think we can hide it. Like, you know what I mean? Like you were saying them and this and, and you know, it was funny because after I, I came out, I wasn't out in commercial real estate, which is the profession that I was in before. 
And um, after I came out, people, you know, told me they were like, oh, yeah, so and so asked me if you were gay because you never talked about having a boyfriend or, you know, so we thought you were gay. You know what I mean? It was like I, it, I was kidding myself that I was hiding. And, and you know, if you look, you can look at my pictures. I'm really very feminine. Yeah. So I passed. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like most people, it's not like I but even then, you know, people know. And I think it, we're kind of like kidding ourselves when we think that we can hide it. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, and I also think though, a part of this is that it amazes me that people are thinking about that. Like when I hang out with people, I'm not like, oh, I wonder if that person is gay or, oh, or maybe if I am trying to hit on them, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like if I don't leave after I hang out with anyone and be like, oh, I wonder if Marcy is gay because she hasn't dated a guy in a year. Like I, like, I, or I've never seen her with a guy. That doesn't mean anything. I think maybe Marcy's single and independent and she wants to like, she's career focused. Like, I don't, like, I never associate, I, I just don't make assumptions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a part of it could be because I am gay, but yeah. I, another part of it is I just think that everyone is unique and everyone has an interesting story. So you never know. Yeah. Anyone's, you don't. Yeah. yeah. You really don't. So when you started, like, when did, so you were in commercial real estate and then you started transitioning to your new career here. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any risk involved with that? And like, cause you work for yourself, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So was there any risk? Involved? Yeah. Like, like, did you feel like you were taking a huge risk? Like, were you afraid? Like, how are you feeling when you sort of made that transition? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, if, you know, and I see a lot of people, they like wait until like when I'm not afraid anymore. Well, that's never going to happen. So, <laughs> you got like, to, you know, the biggest thing, you know, and I think kind of, I think our schools do us a disservice in this regard is that we really get trained at a young age to not make mistakes. Yes. And, and, you know, part of life is really building a level of self-trust to make mistakes and figure it out, take a risk and make it right. You know, I mean, that's really, that's where you hold the power in your life and you actually have freedom. So it doesn't matter if let's say you, you know, you jump into a new career, you know, you become an entrepreneur, you make a million dollars the first year, right? If you don't know how you did that and you're not willing to take any more risks, you're still not going to feel financially free because you're, you're, you know, you're afraid that you'll lose it all. So, so you really have to start getting comfortable with taking risks, making mistakes and making it right. And that's really where you build your self-trust. So, yeah, so absolutely. Like, that's why it was so hard for me. And it's funny because I was an entrepreneur in commercial real estate. Yeah. I was like I was like 100 percent commission based, you know, so yeah. I was an entrepreneur. The hustle is real. <laughs> I was still afraid to be 100 percent entrepreneur. So I was still within a company. Yeah. Um, I still had what's called a draw, which means that they basically give me an amount of money, like a loan every single month. And then I pay it back through commissions. Ah. Um, and I had, and I had a team, you know, of people who are more senior than me, people who are more junior than me, you know, assistants, you know, I had a team of marketing. So I did have a lot of infrastructure, but I was still an entrepreneur and it, my, you know, my income was based on my, uh, what I produced. So in some ways, it's kind of funny that it took me so long to really, really make that leap. But yeah, I mean, it's scary because, you know, in at least in commercial real estate, I was selling I was selling something else. You know, I was selling some some uh, I was selling a product. Um, I wasn't selling me. And I exactly Mm -hmm. um, as an entrepreneur, you know, depending on the kind of business that you're in, but really pretty much all business 
at some level you are selling you. And if you get really wrapped up in that, like if you get really, if you take things really personally, if you are really attached to like, this is me, this is who I am. I'm, you know, if you reject my service, you're rejecting me. All those things are really, they're really scary. And, and so definitely I face that. And, you know, I, I tell the story, like the first year I decided to be an entrepreneur, I, um, I, I really struggled to sell like a $35 product and because it was really a, it was like a, a lack of sort of belief in, in what I was selling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I, and then I was able to transition and turn a hundred leads into $20,000. I mean, it's a very different mindset to, you know, go from one to the other, but, but even to just make the leap to say, I'm going to sell a $35 product. I had to cross some thresholds in my own mind of being willing to put myself out there enough to, you know, set myself up for rejection to do that. And so it's a, it's a process, it's a journey. And then the year that I quit my day job, that was scary. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure, you know, how I was going to create the income to, you know, support my lifestyle. And you just, you just figure it out, you know, and you just say, you know what, I, I don't know a hundred percent this is going to happen, but I trust myself and I trust that I can figure it out. So it's not, you know, it's definitely not without fear or risk. So was this something that when you like you were often thinking about like, oh, you know, or one day you just kind of had an aha moment. You're like, I'm going to do this. And you started just like focusing and then kind of just did it. It was definitely an evolution. So the so I actually when I was in when I studied, I went to Northwestern and I studied um, music and um, what? Wait. yeah, <laughs> I was an opera singer. Um, Get out. You're the second. That's so crazy. <laughs> One of the other people of um, Jennifer Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. That I interviewed the podcast was an opera singer. Yeah. And she like runs an organization now, um, like basically helping LGBT people like run like their businesses. Oh my God. That's so crazy. Oh, funny. Such a small world. Anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, no. So like, I, I mean, I still love music and I still love the creativity of music, but I, at the, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually love opera nearly enough to, you know, to, to create a life around opera. And, um, and so I basically, that was like senior year in college. And I was like, all right, well, what job do I know I can get? And, and I had had some experience with commercial real estate. And so I just, I was like, I'll give this a shot. You know, I'll see if, if this is, maybe I'll like it more than I think I'll like it. Maybe I'll be able to supplement, you know, my life with hobbies and be satisfied and, you know, pretty much like, uh, nine months in, eight months in, I was like, no, this is not it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what is it, but this is not it for me. And, um, it's not my calling. You know, I just, I, I, I learned a lot. I'm so grateful for the people that I met and the training that I got, but it just wasn't like my, my heart was not in it. Yeah. But it took a long time to explore. Um, and I got a lot of help. I mean, I, you know, you know, when I was, when I was first starting, I was making like, I don't even think I was making $30,000. Cause again, it was like this commission based business. Yeah. And I spent like 500 bucks a month with a career coach. You know what I mean? Like, this is how important that was to me. Like, that was how high a priority it was for me to figure this out. And so I started this process of exploring and, um, and it took me a long time. I had a lot of ideas, things that I want to do. Like I was talking about, I'm multi-passionate. So I had a lot of interests, but ultimately the biggest thing that was standing in my way was my lack of giving myself permission to be an entrepreneur, to really do what I really wanted to do. I was looking at all these you know, corporate jobs that were, 
you know, I, I'm sure would be great, but at the end of the day, it didn't really give me the freedom and the creativity that I really, really wanted. Yeah. And so through that, you know, through that process, and again, I was working with a coach who was really challenging me both on like, how do you do this? But also like the mindset around it and really stretching me and pushing me around that mindset. And, and then one day, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I can be an entrepreneur. And, um, and even from that point, I was like, well, what kind of entrepreneur do I want to be? And and what do I want to do? And how do I want to teach? And, and, and then it, it evolved from there. So it was not like, you know, one day I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I just woke up and was like, I'm going to go do this. I'm gonna make it happen. It was like this, this evolution. But I do think that I've been really committed since, you know, pretty much since month six of being out, out of college or month nine out of college, whatever that was, I was really committed to, I'm going to figure out what work I love and how to make enough money at it to, you know, live a life that I want. Yeah. That commitment is really what created me just deciding to figure it out. Well, what's amazing is you sort of like knew all this so young. Yeah. (laughs) No, really. I mean, I feel like a part of me, I'm a little bit like wiser beyond my years, as some would say, or, you know, like I'm like, you know, I'm a kind of like a grandma in some ways, but (laughs) it's funny because I feel like I always, I was similar in that way. Like I always knew what I wanted to do. And like a lot of my friends would be like, I don't understand you. Like, are so young. You just finished high school. Like, how the hell do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily know what I want to do per se, like the actual job title, but I know like what I, like my mission. Like I want to help people. I want to connect people. I want to like, you know, like, or like I want to problem solve, like all these sort of like, I don't know, like concepts around what I want to do. And I think it's incredible when we know at a younger age. And I think that, you know, you're using this to an advantage, right? Like you knew what you wanted to do and you went on this path and now, you know, this is where you are today. Mm-hmm. So a question I have is, you know, like me as well, I have a lot of interests, right? I have a lot of pa- things I'm passionate about. How do you balance those out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You- so to me, and this is what I teach in my, in my sales training to people is that there's always a, there's generally speaking a through line. And so your job is to find... Okay, well, there's, there's a couple ways to approach it. Number one is that whatever you're doing in the moment, let's say you have lots of interests, right? So let's say you love painting or you love, you love writing and you love horseback riding or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. If you're really, if you really love it and you are, and and some people, this takes some practice and some habit building, but you should be a hundred percent in the moment. Like if you are writing, you're a hundred percent in that moment and you are loving it. And you're not feeling that FOMO of like, Oh my God, I wish I was horseback riding right now. Yeah. (laughs) So you think about, so this is the second part. You have to think about your work and your life as a symphony. And it's like, sometimes the cello is going to play a bigger role. And sometimes the piano is going to play a bigger role. And sometimes the you know, the trombone is going to play a bigger role. So maybe in some, some parts of your life, you're going to have more writing and other parts of your life, you're going to have more horseback riding and other parts of your life, you're going to have more, you know, whatever. And so as long as you're in the moment with that, even if you have lots of interests, you're going to be happy and fulfilled because you're, you're a hundred percent in the moment with that thing that you love to do. And you're not like in this mind space of, Oh my God, I'm missing out because I'm not doing the other thing at this moment. So 
Those are the two things. But how do you make a living at that is really a process of saying, okay, what are, what are my interests? And, and how does that solve a problem for people? Because at the end of the day, that's all money is. Yep. Money is you have to solve a problem for people that they actually want solved. <laughs> Not that you think they should want solved, but they actually want solved or a goal that they have that they actually want. And then you marry that with whatever it is that you do to create a solution for them. And so even for me, um, I'm not doing this right now. This is more of like a like a, a goal. But again, it's like I see this as a season of my life versus like I need to do it right now. But ultimately, like I would love to create my own music, do songs that really help people kind of cement some of these habits that I teach them and but have it be really beautiful. And but that's, you know, and that's a way that I still help people solve a problem with with this, you know, this creative area that I'm doing. But it still allows me to express myself creatively. And and so that, you know, video, like, you know, I'd love to do more really creative video um, down the road. But at this stage, I'm getting to do things like creating workshops and and that's, you know, being teach, being a teacher and creating classes. And and I love I absolutely love, love, love doing those things. So, you know, it's just like those are different stages and that's how I see. But it still all solves the sort of similar uh, problem that people want solved. And then there are some things that are just going to be hobbies in your life and that's okay too. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that you called it a symphony. I was going to say, man, you're really tying back to your music. Um, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's, that's a really great way to put it because I think that sometimes um, a big struggle that people have, I mean, I even struggle with this a little bit myself is that I have so many interests and so many things I have to do. And it's like, prioritizing those or like figuring out like what one's most important right now. And that's another way you could, a way that you put it was just interesting to me is like, it's a season of your life mm-hmm. because that's kind of a great way to put it because maybe right now, I don't know, my, the podcast is more important, but in a month from now, maybe my photography is more important. I don't know. Totally. But it, or it's like, how am I balancing that time effectively? And, and this, I feel like is all from like what you've learned through your path. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so if, I guess about the videos, I wanted to ask you a few questions about this. So, cause sure. you, you're sort of like, you have a big platform, right? Like mm-hmm. you have a website, you have YouTube videos, you have a blog, you also run these workshops, you teach people, you do a lot of these different things and I'm sure you love all of them. You know, do you get more results or clients from one versus the other? Do you think that like the videos of more of a supplementary tool or, you know, like, how do you decide like what you're going to use and why you're going to use it? You know, I mean, honestly, it's just, uh, and this is the other thing I think people sort of misunderstand about sales is that it's just an experimentation process. You know, I mean, you just have to play with different mediums and see what your audience connects to Mm -hmm. people. You know, there is a, there, there is a philosophy out there right now that video is more effective because it's very intimate and people feel like they, you know, and audio is more intimate than a blog, you know, yeah. so there, there is, and, and that makes intuitive sense to me, um, that that would be the case. You know, it's funny. Um, I've even had some different coaches say that, you know, the, 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 the videos done in your home that are more like personal are more effective than professional videos. Now, yeah. I don't know if there's any stats on that to be true or not. Um, but I just thought it was like an interesting, like, Hmm, is that true? Well, because it's, um, because it's almost like the, when they say about like the eBay, like when you take a beautiful picture of say a pair of shoes, you're going to sell, it's not as like realistic to them. Like they rather see it yeah. in the context of someone's house because they're brand new shoes, but they're actually, it's like real. And I'm like, yeah, really? Yeah. Like yeah. it's more relatable to people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but to answer your question, though, uh, for me, I find workshops are the most effective um, because people get a real sense of the work. They get real tools. They get real information. They are interact. I keep them really small, so they're really interactive. And I just, I just, I try to make them fun. You know, even though we're talking about business, I try to, you know, incorporate things that it's like not just a bland, dry, like, you know, business lecture. It's, you know, I I put them in a fun, you know, bright colored space. And, and so, and I just, I just have so much passion for doing those. Those are like probably one of the top, my top favorite things to do. And how do you get most of your attendees for those? Um, speaking, networking, social media. Um, I'm actually going to run like a, I'm going to try, see, I'm trying, like there's a, you know, a experimental process of Facebook ads for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hiring like a consultant to help me do that. But, uh, but yeah, those are kind of the ways that I typically have gotten people in. I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, Probably videos too. Yeah. Yeah. This, this go round too. I got a professional video done. People seem to be really connecting with that. So, uh, like, I was wondering, too, like, word of mouth. Like, do a lot of people say come to these workshops and they're, like, super excited about it and they're spreading it as well? Because I think yeah, nowadays I'm, that's so big. Like, Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Like, I kind of forget about that because it's not within my control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I do the best I can. And if people refer me, then they refer me. And that's great. You know, so it's just not a strategy I think about a lot because it's not really something that I proactively do. But it is a way that I get a lot of people in is people really they love it. And then they tell people about it. And, you know, people come to it. So for sure. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh, I love that question. You know, you know, what's funny, and I think this is a struggle for people too, is, is it, you know, and I, and I wonder this for my business too, and I'm sort of allowing it to evolve uh, as I get more information, but am I in an empire or am I in a boutique business? I don't know. You know, there are things I love about both of those ideas, but my biggest passions are really like, I would really love to be able to reach even more people with video and really be able to do high quality, really educational video, um, using like, have you ever seen, uh, Nova? Do you ever, you ever watch those videos on Nova? No, but I'm going to, after this podcast, I'm going to yeah. check it out. So there are these videos like on quantum physics on Nova and the way that they produce them is just like, I mean, you don't have to know anything about science to understand them because they make it so accessible. They use all kinds of different tools and creative things to, you know, bring it to life. And so I I would absolutely love to do something like that to bring, you know, to reach a a wider community of people and um, to make it easier for them to, you know, to use and to implement. And then, you know, I also just love I, I would love to be running, uh, you know, expand my workshops into retreats. Um, oh, cool. I don't actually love traveling a ton, so I'd probably do them close by. I'd love to do them like in the hill country in Austin by the lake, um, but really be able to do some, some small high-end retreats, um, working, you know, like a full private, private client practice and group programs and people in for, for the long haul, people really committed to their vision. And, um, oh, I also have this dream of, uh, of this, I work from home right now and I kind of miss like having an office, you know, some people like love working from home, but I actually, when I was in commercial real estate, like I, I kind of liked that. Like I liked my coworkers. Yeah. And 
Um, and so I miss that. Um, but I also love like the homey feeling of, of being at home. And, um, so I'd love to have like a house, uh, and you can do this in Houston cause there's no zoning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to have like a house that functions as like a co-working space. Oh, that's cool. Um, for people to come and for me to host workshops and host, um, retreats and host, um, VIP days, uh, you know, sales intensives with people one-on-one, um, oh. and like a really beautiful, really beautiful homey feeling space. And, you know, my cats can be there and, and all that good stuff. So, cause I, I, I do like having my cats around. <laughs> your cats? What are their names? What are so, your, what? Yeah, that's my five-year vision. Thanks for asking. I love talking about that. It's really fun. <laughs> what, it, it almost reminds me of like a bed and breakfast, but for, yeah, exactly. but for working, mm-hmm. which is kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Co-working bed and breakfast. <laughs> so do you have any advice for our listeners? Like maybe they're like at a place in their life where they like want to take a risk, but they're afraid or like, you know, maybe they think about things like this, but they're like, oh, you know, I have a full-time job in health insurance and all these things. Like, can I really risk that all? Do you have any sort of words of wisdom that you want to share? Absolutely. Well, number one, don't let health insurance stop you. (laughs) I think I pay like 250 bucks a month or something for it. Not even that. So like, it's really, you know, don't let that stop you. And, and you can ease into it. You know, I have clients that are in full-time jobs and what we do is we just make, and who have families, I mean, small children. And what we do is we make the most of their time outside of work and we really make it impactful and effective in moving them towards their vision and moving them towards their dream. But you just have to decide and commit to, I'm going to figure this out. And, and, and my biggest thing about risk-taking is please don't take like a ginormous, like, you know, you don't have to quit your job tomorrow. Like you really (laughs) don't, you can just take little risks and then a bigger risk and then a bigger risk and then a bigger risk. So I really like, and I see people do this sometimes and I'm like, I don't understand like why, why you would do that. I mean, you know, I've seen people, you know, spend their entire life savings to open a retail store. And I'm like, please don't do that. Like start with, you know, start with like build a community, you know, build a following, start, you know, start, you can start small and you can start today to build, you know, to, to do these things and, and take these steps and, and get help. Please don't do it alone. Like yeah. you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, it just, it drives me crazy. Like, I don't understand what people think that they have to reinvent the wheel. There are ways to do this. There are, I mean, I take my clients through a step-by-step process. Like, you know, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do next week? Like there are ways to really maximize your effectiveness and your time. And so I would say if you're, if you're going to take a risk, you know, take the risk to get some help. Yeah. <laughs> First risk I want you to take is spend some money, spend some time and get some help to do it. But, but don't, you know, when we're talking about risks, we're not talking about this. People get in this like all or nothing mentality. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, just start small. What's the first risk, you know, maybe go to a networking event where you're going to, you know, meet some people who are in this industry that you want to be in, or, you know, that might feel risky to you. So go do that, you know, but don't, and then build your way up to, you know, the storefront. So it's not like you're never going to, you know, spend your life savings on a storefront. If you have the infrastructure in place and you have, you know, and it's not going to be guaranteed and it's not going to be, you know, um, there is still going to be a risk involved, but you are not like, it's not like a, like, I know for sure I'm going to fail risk. It's like, yeah. I know it's like, maybe I'll fail. Maybe, maybe I'll succeed, but I'm, I'm, I'm committed to figuring it out. And I'm committed to, even if I fail, you know, that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna get back up and, and try again tomorrow. So just my biggest advice is don't get in all or nothing thinking, get some help and just take that next little risk. Don't avoid it altogether 
and don't feel like you have to, you know, quit your job and, and, you know, join the circus. Like there are <laughs> steps in between that you can take where you're built. And, and, and those, like they build the muscles, you know, like your comfort zone. It's like, it's like you have to build those muscles to be able to take those bigger risks. And so you want to be, and you want to be building those muscles with, you know, I, I use the analogy a lot. It's like, if you want to, you know, get, if you want to build muscle, you don't go to the gym and pick up the 300 pound weight. No, yeah. you but you can't sit on the couch either. You have to go and you have to start with a five pound weight and then you get a 10 pound and then 20 pound or whatever. You have to work your way up, but you're not going to build any muscle sitting on the couch either. Yeah. So think about your, you know, your career track, your business, you know, your life in that way that you're just, you're, you know, you're taking those little, and this even apply, you know, what I love about this is that it even applies to love. You know, it's like you take those little risks and then you, you know, build those muscles and, and that's, you know, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the same process. You can coming out, you can apply that to coming out. It's like, what's the little risk and, and take it and then take a bigger risk and, you know, build the muscles to say that it's going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make a, and it's okay to make, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to have consequences to those risks, but then I can build that self-trust muscle that says I can pick myself up no matter what happens. Exactly. And I think a big part of it is in the moment, sometimes people, can't think that way, right? Like they're just so caught up in whatever they're thinking. And then it's like, you look back and you're like, oh, I get it now. Like (laughs) that, that year did suck. (laughs) Like it was miserable, but there's no way I'd be where I am today. If this, that and X, Y, and Z didn't happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's also important to reflect on those moments where sometimes we get into that all or nothing thinking or, we, you know, get afraid to fail because like, oh my God, like I didn't get into this school, but it was like my top choice. It's like, that's great and all. And then you look back years later and you're like, well, you know what? I'm glad I didn't get into that school because I met this great amount of people when I went to this school and now I'm at this job because of you know, whatever it is. Exactly. exactly. Um, so I think it's really important too, to like have that, like that perspective, because then it will just encourage you to sort of fail again or <laughs> it, not necessarily fail, but to be okay with failing. Exactly. I mean, even the word failing, right? It's like, where, why is it failure? You know what I mean? Like that word is kind of like a construct of, you know, it's just a result. That's all it is. Exactly. Really, if, if you take away, you know, if you're like, I'm okay with however that result made me feel, then it's just a result with a feeling attached. That's all it is. Exactly. It's not even failure. Exactly. It's not, nothing permanent. Nothing permanent. Nothing permanent. Exactly. I think that's a big part of it too, is like we get in this idea of permanence and it's like everything is temporary. Exactly. So with that said, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. This has been yeah, really great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Where can our listeners find you if they want to seek your help or just learn more about you? Absolutely. So you can go to convertidealclients.com. And that's, you know, that has all the information about, um, I have lots of free trainings and uh, blogs and you can learn how to, you know, work with me and you can get all the information at convertidealclients.com. I have a free gift there um, for people who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. It's called uh, Turn 100 Leads into $20,000 Checklist. And in under five minutes, you can learn if you have been sitting on a gold mine so you can stop uh, leaving money on the table. (laughs) Um, yeah. So all that is at convertidealclients.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listeners, thank you again for joining us for another episode of Naked In and Inside Out. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. Also, if you have any questions, comments, inquiries, email us at hello at nakedandinsideout.com. 
Also, go to nakedandinsideout.com. You could follow us there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the fun things. All right. Until next time, everyone. Thanks so much.